Welcome to Sightseeing Japan, the podcast where we explore the land of Pokemon. I'm Paul Bresson. And I'm Jason Neeling. And this episode is about the Kanto region of Japan. Now this episode and the next episode, we're focusing on two of the most popular regions of Japan for tourists. They're also the two most populated regions of Japan. So obviously there are plenty of other regions, uh, and we're going to do episodes about those later on. But like I said, we're doing these ones first because if you're going to Japan for the first time, or even maybe the second time, you're probably going to spend a lot of time in one or both of these regions. Even though Japan is only about the size of California, each of these regions has a distinct culture, a dialect, an attitude, and they have pride in their local area, right? Yeah, absolutely. You've got the centers of Tokyo for the Kanto region Mm -hmm. and Kyoto, Osaka for the Kansai region. Yeah. So, what is the Kanto region? Well, if you don't know a ton about Japan, you might have heard of the Kanto region from the Pokemon games, which is why Paul mentioned Pokemon at the opening. The very first generation of Pokemon games takes place in the Kanto region, and even the cities that you run around to in the game are based on actual cities in the real Kanto region. The Kanto region is dominated by Tokyo, Mm -hmm. and the surrounding areas are included as well. Yeah, so the region is located kind of in the middle of Honshu, which is the big main island. Kind of smack in the middle, the big banana-shaped sort of one, right? (laughs) Yeah, on the eastern Pacific side of the island. It's the largest flat plain in Japan. Mm -hmm. Let's talk a little bit about the character of Kanto. What is Kanto known for? Um... If you don't mind, I have a list of adjectives that I found, oh, yes. actually. <laughs> Let's do that. So Kanto is, like we said, the most populated. It's modern, technological, innovative, you might say, sophisticated, well-developed, urbanized. I mean, the greater Tokyo area is one of the biggest urban centers in the world. Yeah. And industrialized. They have a lot of industry there. There's a lot going on in Tokyo. Kanto is also, if you calculate safety by comparing population density to crime frequency, Kanto is the safest place in the world. Japan is known as a pretty safe country in general, but Kanto specifically is apparently the safest area even in Japan. That's impressive. Yeah. So another piece that fits into kind of the character of the region is that the Kanto region has been the seat of political power since the beginning of the 1600s. When there's a lot of power, there's a lot of development, organization, structure. But even though Tokyo was the seat of power since the 1600s, it actually didn't become the capital until 1868. So not all that long ago. Which is also when the name changed to Tokyo. Exactly. Before that, it was known as Edo. So part of what gives Kanto some of its flavor and culture is that when the shogunate moved their seat of power to Edo in the 1600s, all their retainers and their samurai and much of the upper class of Japan moved with him to Edo. So you still get that upper class feeling, the sophistication, a little bit more of the reservedness, that sort of thing in the culture 
in this area, I think is still reflected to the modern day. Yeah. So I came across when I was looking at cool things to see and do in Kanto, there's something called the Kanto Furei Trail, which is 1,600 kilometers of trails that roughly make a ring around and through the Kanto region. It's 144 different hiking routes of about 10 kilometers each. And each one at the start and the end of the route is connected to public transportation, although not all the hikes are connected to each other. So it doesn't perfectly make a loop, Hmm. but there are large portions connected and it's all easily reachable for day hikes if you're staying in Tokyo. So you can go out and see a little bit of some foothills or mountains or pastures or farmlands or lakes even within something so industrialized as the Kanto region, you can still get out there and see a little bit of natural Japan. That's awesome. Yeah, I thought that was so cool. That is cool. All right, so let's talk about Tokyo, the big city in Kanto. We could talk about Tokyo for days probably. Yeah. But just imagine anything you'd want to see or do in Japan you can probably see or do in Tokyo, unless you're talking about a very specific natural landmark. Yeah, definitely. And that's why it really makes sense to make Tokyo kind of your your home base for your first trip to Japan. Like anything that you want to experience. If you want to see the shrines and temples, you want to see the more modern side, the technology. Maybe you just want to go shopping. Maybe you want to go hiking in nature. All of that stuff you can do in or around Tokyo. Yeah. So for example, for fashion. Harajuku is a cool area of Tokyo. Yeah, fashion, cosplay, get the rockabillies. If you're into electronics, anime, manga, any of that otaku kind of stuff, you can spend some time in Akihabara. It's a fun place. You've got Asakusa, which is a little bit older part of the city with museums and temples and traditional Japanese gardens. If you're into nightlife, spend some time in Shibuya or Shinjuku. A lot of clubs, bars, fun places to hang out. Yeah. Get a little more of the youth culture in Japan in those areas. Mm -hmm. What are some other cool neighborhoods? There's Odaiba, which is actually a man-made island in Tokyo Bay, which has some modern, cool architecture, a shopping mall, and it's got a convention center where the big comic markets are held. Oh, that's where they are? In Tokyo. Cool. Yeah, the four upside-down pyramids. It's like a re- the coolest looking convention center I've ever oh, seen. Yeah. Man, how did I miss that? I've been in Odaiba, and like you said, there, there are shopping malls, more than one shopping mall. There, there's a bunch of shopping there. There's and a like miniature Statue malls. of Liberty. It's kind of yeah. a cool place. Yeah. There was even, uh, when I was there, they had the giant Gundam statue out in front of oh, Diver yeah. City. I one saw of the that malls. too. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I heard that they, brought, they took that down or they moved it somewhere, but they might have moved it back. I don't remember. Well, there's one way to find out. Go to Odaiba. Yeah. Um, there's also Rapongi Hills, which is a sh- kind of a shopping district. It's really high end. Mm. So if you're looking for something nice, Rapongi Hills is a cool place. Yeah. You know, I haven't been to Rapongi, 
And I think I kind of avoided it because I heard that that was where all the foreigners hang out. Like all the expats, all the people <laughs> from the US that are living in Japan, like hang around Roppongi. I didn't know that. Yeah. I don't know. I just wanted to, you know, get more of the authentic. But yeah, it seems like a nice, newer, upper class type of place. Yeah. I mean, I've heard it's nice. Maybe I'll check it out next time. Yeah. I went there once and went to like a shopping center. It was pretty cool. It looked really nice. Nice. But everything was really high end. I don't think I bought anything. Mm. Oh, you know what's a cool area? Ueno. You've been to to Ueno, right? Yeah. Yeah. They have a zoo there. I haven't been to the zoo, but pretty popular. Also, there is a place that I have been there called Ameyokocho or Ameyoko. And that? Uh, it's this little shopping area where they sell, I mean, it's called Ame. The Ame is for America, like America. They sell <laughs> American stuff. So actually, if you're looking for Japanese denim, which is the best denim in the world, according to a lot of people, uh, that's a good place to get a lot of the Japanese brands of jeans. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And we'll definitely be talking more about Japanese denim at some point. Yeah, for sure. I could talk, and I will talk for a long time <laughs> about that. I also think we should mention that the Imperial Palace is uh, in Tokyo. It is. And it has some uh, grounds and gardens that you can go visit on certain days. If you're into food, Tokyo has the most Michelin star restaurants of any city in Japan. In the world. Any city in the world? Yeah. That makes sense because Japan has the most Michelin restaurants out of any country. So, yep. There you go. And of course, I mean, you got temples, museums, art, all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Shopping, entertainment, culture, theater, anything Japanese you want to do, you're probably going to be able to find it somewhere in or around Tokyo. Yeah. And eventually, we're going to have to do an entire episode about Tokyo, of course. It's coming. Talk about it for an hour straight. Yeah. But just wanted to give you a little summary of what there is to see in Tokyo. So, Paul, what would you say is your favorite part of Tokyo? I think Akihabara for me. That's somewhere where I'm probably going to stop every time I'm in Tokyo. I'm going to spend some time in Akihabara. Yeah. Part of it because, yeah, I'm into manga and anime, and that's a great place to go. Look at all the figurines and the doujinshi comics and all the artwork and graphics all over the place. But the city's got a cool vibe, too. A lot of energy. You see the cosplay and the maids running around, and it's just a fun place to be. Maids? I think this is the first we mentioned of maids. What are you oh, talking about? Oh, there maids? might be a maid cafe or two or 20 in Akihabara. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to do an episode about those because those are interesting and very Japanese. Yeah, we'll talk about all the wild different types of cafes they have in Japan at some point. Yeah. You know, I was going to make fun of you and call you a nerd for uh, going back to Akihabara every time, <laughs> but I, I do that too. Yeah. Have you ever been to Japan and not hit, a, hit up Akihabara? <laughs> no, but I don't necessarily go for the anime stuff. I'm actually, this, uh, this next trip I'm doing, I'm planning on going keyboard shopping there. A lot of electronics to buy there, and they have some high quality mechanical keyboards. That's that maybe even more nerdy. You're probably right. But cool still. <laughs> Yeah, but that's what Akihabara is about. Like, it's not just anime and manga. It's all sorts of otaku yeah. stuff. If you're an otaku about anything, trains, electronics, keyboards, whatever, Akihabara's probably got some stuff for you. Yeah, and we should define otaku. Otaku basically just means a person who is really into something. Yeah. 
Yeah, to almost the point of obsession, maybe. Yeah. But it's used as more of a friendly term these days. Yeah, and I don't know if I'd call myself a mechanical keyboard otaku. But I, I would. Do. I would call you a mechanical <laughs> keyboard otaku. <laughs> I do have a lot of different colors of keycaps, I must admit. So what's your favorite place in Tokyo? Well, you know, that is tough because all the different areas of Tokyo have such different feels. Like they're almost, they almost feel like different cities. So it's a lot like asking me to choose my favorite child. But <laughs> if I were forced, I guess I would have to say Shibuya. You know, Shibuya is a really cool place. Every time I visit there, I find something new. You know, you got the big Shibuya crossing, which is always fun to just people watch there. Yeah. You got the famous Hachiko statue. Um, you got Halloween in Shibuya. Uh, I was just going to say that. We spent, <laughs> well, you and I spent Halloween there and it was yes, amazing. It was super fun. I was there the previous year for Halloween as well. And it was, I mean, it's, uh, it's a blast being in Shibuya for Halloween. I might've heard that they we're going to try to stop that though because it just got too big and out of control. Or maybe they're just trying to kind of shrink it and keep putting it. some controls on it. Yeah. But I don't know if it's getting rid of it. Yeah. We should put some of our uh, pictures from that Halloween up on the website. Oh, totally. Yeah. And Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. We got some good ones to so yeah. check out. Check out the website to see some cool Halloween pictures. Yeah. So if you go along the coast, just a little bit southwest of Tokyo. You got a city called Yokohama. You might recognize that name because there's a tire company called Yokohama, right? Yep. But this is also the first port open to foreign trade. So these days, Yokohama is still a major seaport for Japan. And it has a, you know, a maritime kind of flavor still too. So you're going to find like ship tours in museums, general maritime attractions also being the first port open to foreigners that's still reflected in the city today it has the largest chinatown out of any city in japan um, and it also has some old western style neighborhoods where the old uh, merchants and traders from out of country used to stay cool you might also be interested to learn that the very first train line in Japan connected Tokyo and Yokohama. So that kind of shows you what an important city it is. I didn't know that, but that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So it's going to be a little less crowded than Tokyo, but it's still, a, you know, a big city. It feels like a city. Yeah. Some other things of note. The Cup Noodle Museum is in Yokohama. And that is a super cool place. Comes Colonized. highly recommended from both of us, I believe. Yep. We spent a day there. Um, not too far from there, there's an amusement park kind of right by the water called Cosmo World. Yeah. The whole waterfront area is developed with shopping and attractions. And uh, I thought the architecture was really cool too. Yeah. Yeah. Very modern. And I also found out the Kirin Beer Factory is in Yokohama and they give free tours. Ooh. That'd be a fun place to check out. Yeah. Uh, anything else about Yokohama you want to mention? I think that's a nice quick summary of why you might want to go. Sure. All right, let's move on to a place called Kawasaki. Now, this is a suburb located between Tokyo and Yokohama, basically. And if you're from the U.S., there's one thing that goes on 
in Kawasaki each year that you may have heard of called Kanamara Matsuri, the Festival of the Steel Phallus. Phallus being, Paul, what is, what's a phallus? Uh, they're talking about a penis. They are. So there's a place called Kaneyama Shrine. And on the first Sunday in April of each year, they have this, this penis festival. And you're going to find, I mean, all sorts of penis-shaped goods. You know, you can buy lollipops. You can buy, I don't even know, all sorts of things. Yeah, they make little candies. I've also heard that they recently started making vagina lollipops, too. All right. But they don't cool. make as many of them, and they sell out really quickly. Well, gender equality is important. You know, it's, it's good to have representations for, for both. Yeah. I mean, it's a fertility shrine and a fertility festival. It takes, it takes both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You might see people parading around very large phalluses. Yes. <laughs> and uh, the deity in the shrine actually resides in a meter-long iron penis. Interesting. The shrine also has a small sex museum that hmm. features mainly Japanese erotic art, which has a long and storied history. It does, yeah. Even, I mean, hundreds of years ago, there, you can find paintings that are surprisingly explicit. Yes. Yeah. So one thing I have heard about this festival, I mean, there are all sorts of festivals all over Japan. They're very traditional, you know, people get all dressed up in their kimono. They have... Uh, floats that they parade around, traditional foods, all that kind of thing. And a lot of them have a very uh, traditional Japanese feel to them. But the impression I get about this festival of the steel phallus is that, I mean, it's gained a lot of attention around the world because for most cultures, that's kind of an unusual idea. So you got people coming in from all over the world to participate and it's kind of grown a lot bigger and more extravagant than a lot of other types of festivals. So if you're only visiting this one festival, you might not get a taste of exactly what most festivals in Japan are like. Yeah, I've heard up to 50% of the people showing up these days are foreigners. Right. Which no one seems to mind because, hey, it's a penis festival. Everyone's just there having a good time anyways. Sure. But it's going to be a little different than your uh, routine Japanese festival for sure. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we don't want to give the impression that this is the only thing that Kawasaki should be known for because that's, that's just the one thing that people have heard about because it's, you know, yeah. fun and unusual. But what else is there to see in Kawasaki, Paul? Kawasaki Daishi is a large temple that's famous for an eight-sided five-story pagoda. Nice. Yeah, I read that that's actually the second most visited temple in Kanto. So if you're only going to see one temple, that, that's not a bad choice. Kawasaki also has a Koreatown and has the second largest concentration of Koreans in the country after Osaka. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, there's also a super cool looking kind of theme park building sort of thing that I'm planning on visiting when I go. A place called Anata no Warehouse. And this is... You just got to, you got to look at pictures of it because it's this big building and the aesthetic is kind of based on the Kowloon walled city that used to exist in China. And the city in China was kind of a lawless sort of area where there were just all these really tall buildings and, and people basically squatted there and just kept building and building and like connecting all of these buildings until it was just this giant 
I don't even know how, how do you describe that? It's its own unique thing. I mean, none of the buildings had like electricity or utilities anymore, but they did all their own wiring. They brought in phone lines and electrical and it just became this big interconnected city that people just lived all over it and they managed it and policed it themselves. Yeah. Really fascinating phenomenon that that was even like allowed to happen. I mean, eventually the government got sick of it and they, yeah, it wasn't down. really allowed. It happened, and yeah. they eventually got rid of it. Yeah. Anyway, so this building in Japan is based on that. So if you look up pictures, everything's sort of made to look like worn down and uh, almost like trashy, but it's at the same time... a little time, dystopian. Yeah, a little bit, but also like technological. A little cyberpunk. Yeah, that's, that's a good It's like dystopian good cyberpunk type of feel. Yeah, and there's all sorts of stuff to do in there. They got like a pool hall. They got arcades and stuff. I don't know. That sounds we'll cool. See. It sounds like a good experience. Totally. Just that feel and the vibe of everything. Yeah, yeah. Very, just a novel place. You don't see places like that often. So I'm excited for that. Yeah, that sounds cool. Yeah. Anything else uh, you got about Kawasaki? Yeah, I'm a little bit into architecture. Mm. And they have a Japanese open air folk house museum. Oh, yeah, I did see that. So it's over 20 traditional Japanese houses, some of them up to 400 years old, that have been transplanted there from around the country. So that sounds like something pretty cool to go take a look at. Yeah, definitely. I love that stuff. The, you know, the old rural architecture, just seeing how people lived hundreds of years ago. It's so cool. I also want to mention the uh, Doraemon Museum. I don't know if Doraemon's super popular outside of Japan, but one of the most absolute famous and beloved anime characters inside of Japan, for sure. Mm -hmm. That's about all I got on Kawasaki. Nice. All right, well, let's move on to a place called Kamakura. If you keep going down the coast a little bit past Yokohama, you're going to find this place called Kamakura. And it is basically a temple town. It's going to be a lot more laid back than Tokyo. I really love Kamakura because it's got a lot of history. You can get away from the hustle and bustle of, you know, the middle of Tokyo, get out in some nature. And there are just a lot of like cool hikes around there to get to different temples and fun places. There are also a lot of festivals that happen there. If you want to check for the time of year, uh, there's a lot of stuff that goes on at these different temples. One notable temple is called Kotoku-in is a Buddhist temple and home of a bronze daibutsu. Do you know what a daibutsu is? Is that the large Buddha? Yeah. Dai means big. Butsu. Big Buddha. Big Butsu. <laughs> I like yeah. that. Big Buddha. And this thing was built in 1252. It survived earthquakes and stuff. It's a big deal. And a big Buddha. And you can even go inside it. I actually visited and you can like pay, I don't know, like a hundred yen or something, super cheap. And you can go down these stairs and actually get inside it. And they have these little uh, panels that tell you how it was made. It's pretty cool how they cast it in all these different pieces and then you assembled it. You can get inside it. the Buddha statue? Yeah, it's hollow. It's not like solid metal. The hollowness doesn't surprise me. The being able to go inside of it sounds really cool. Yeah, That's cool. awesome. It was really cool. Yeah, Kamakura is a fun place. Did you have any notes about that? Kamakura is known for its sandy beaches, some of the better beaches in the Kanto region. Yep. Um, also, nice hiking trails through some wooded hills. 
and it's near uh, Enoshima Island. Yeah, Enoshima is very cool. Enoshima's got gardens, caves, shrine, a shrine, a temple, a spa, a love bell. What's a love bell? Couples go and ring the love bell, and then they write their names on a lock and lock it on a nearby fence, and that means you'll be together forever or something cool. positive like that. I must have missed that. Sounds fun, though. Also, there's apparently some nice views of Mount Fuji from Enoshima Island. What? I was on Enoshima. I'm, I must not have been looking very closely at it. Or it's probably only on a clear day that you can see that far. Yeah, it's a ways away, so I'm sure it has to be a clear day. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely recommend Enoshima. You could spend a whole day there. A lot of good restaurants, beautiful views of the ocean, people go fishing out there, a lot of cool stuff. Yeah, and I think it's connected to the mainland with the bridge. Yep. So you just take a bus out there or whatever. There's actually a, uh, what do you call it? It's a train, but it's a really small, cute local train, basically, that it's just one line. It's called the Enoden. It goes kind of through Kamakura, can get you down to Enoshima, and from that station, you can walk out to the island. Well, good. And it sounds like Kamakura is the perfect place to start if you're going to hit up Enoshima. Yeah, definitely. What's another city in the Kanto region? Nikko. That's a city. It, like, sum up Nikko for me in a sentence. It's kind of like an ancient holy place. Lots of shrines. Um, it's a little bit remote. Mm-hmm. There's hiking and nature. Yeah. Yeah, I would sum it up as like history and nature. There's the Toshogu Shrine, which is the mausoleum of Tokugawa Ieyasu. Yeah, and he's an imp- a really important guy in Japanese history because he basically started the Tokugawa Shogunate, which ruled Japan for about 250 years yes. up until 1868. Yes, very famous in Japan. Mm-hmm. It's um, also a very cool-looking shrine. Like, it's really elaborate, a lot of detail. Yeah, I've heard that, like, the shrines and temples in Nikko are a little bit more Chinese-influenced and they have a little more color Mm-hmm. and uh, intricate carvings than more of some of the minimalist stuff in the rest of Japan. Mm-hmm. There's waterfalls, hot springs, hiking. Nikko National Park is right there. Yeah, yeah, big national park. So a lot of nature. If you're into that, Nikko would be a good place to visit. There are also wild monkeys there. That's always fun to see. Yeah, I did hear that. And if you're into the history part, there's also a little theme park called Edo Wonderland. So did we mention what Edo is was yes the old name of tokyo yeah edo is old tokyo before 1868 when it became the capital and the edo period is kind of a romanticized time in japanese history so edo wonderland you could kind of think of it as like a renaissance festival in the u.s like they're going to be people dressed up for the the time period and you know talking in the style that they would have spoken back then i think that's a really good comparison yeah I I plan to visit there on my next trip, too. That just seems... I I love that, just the Edo vibe. Yeah, kind of experience what it was like back then. Totally. All right, let's move on to one of my personal favorites in the area, Kawagoe. So Kawagoe is also known as Ko-Edo. Now, you might notice Edo in the name there, and Ko basically means little, like it's kind of a 
a prefix that makes things, you know, cute and little. So Coedo is Little Edo. And this city is pretty small. I mean, really small compared to Tokyo. But it has a lot of that old style architecture still. You can still kind of get a feel of what life would have been like back then. There's even a main street that kind of goes through the touristy part of town that has a lot of those old buildings. Yeah, they call it the warehouse district. Mm -hmm. And it's all the old like warehouse style buildings that you'd see in like a mercantile city Mm -hmm. in old Japan. Yeah. And I should mention this place is uh, kind of northwest of Tokyo. It only takes about 40 minutes to get there by train. So a good place for a day trip from Tokyo. Yeah, you can easily do it in half a day. Yeah. So there are a lot of historic buildings, and there's even a Matsuri museum that we went to. A Matsuri is a Japanese festival, and this museum has all these different types of floats that they would carry. They would parade down the street. Yeah, that was a nice find. I enjoyed that museum. They even had a full-size float in there that you could look at. Yeah, they had, I mean, they had a bunch of floats of like different styles. and. Yeah, because they do a new float every year. Mm. Uh, what else is Kawagoe known for? Candy Alley. Yeah, Candy Alley is a really cool place. They've been making candy there since 19, sorry, not 19, 1796. Uh, this would be a good place to bring some kids if you have some small kids. So this Candy Street... There used to be a whole ton of these little candy shops. These days, there aren't a ton, but it's still I mean, enough for it to be a fun place to visit. And it has that kind of old-style vibe. The path is paved in stone. These buildings are just wooden, old-style buildings. Yeah, they're close together. It's comfortable. You're not going to see cars. and Yeah. Candy Alley, the Japanese name for it, is Kashiya Yokocho. And there, there's all sorts of delicious candy. I mean, there's a lot of fun stuff that you just wouldn't find in the U.S. Yeah, it was a cool experience. Yeah. Um, another thing they sell in that street and around Kawagoe is sweet potato products. Because Kawagoe is known for their sweet potatoes. And I gotta say, they're pretty good sweet potatoes. Yeah, would we get like some roasted sweet potatoes? They were Yeah, they sell all they sorts delicious. of stuff. You can get sweet potato ice cream. You can get... These little sweet potato french fries that they're just selling at little food stalls on the street. We had some sweet potato beer. Yes. Yeah, there's another thing that Kawagoe is known for. Um, remember, it was its nickname is Koedo. That's actually the name of the brewery that's based there too, Koedo. So we had some Koedo sweet potato beer. Yeah, just right on the street in the warehouse district. Grabbed mm-hmm. a beer. They had a couple chairs. We just sat down and drank and soaked up the atmosphere. Yeah. Good beer, good times. Yep. Fun place. If you keep going southwest of Tokyo, past Yokohama, past Kamakura, eventually you're going to hit a place called Hakone. And Hakone, one of the biggest things it's known for is the beautiful views of Mount Fuji. Because from there, you got this big lake in front of you. You got Mount Fuji rising up behind the lake. Beautiful stuff. It's also a hot spring town. You know, a good place to relax, soak your feet, go find some nice hot springs and enjoy the natural beauty of the area. Yeah, I haven't been to Hakone, but it sounds like a nice place if you want to go do the hot spring thing because you've still got the lake you can hike around with the beautiful views. They've got some art museums. 
They've got a castle called Odawara Castle that you can go see. Yeah, that's one of the more popular castles around Tokyo. So if you're not you know, going all over Japan, but you want to see a castle, that's not a bad one to check out. I also saw that they have something called the Hokone Checkpoint, which is the remains of an old highway with the checkpoint still intact. Cool. So you can go see what it looked like for people traveling between cities hundreds of years ago in Japan. Nice. That'd be fun. And you mentioned hiking, Paula, I believe. Hakone is kind of in a big national park, the Fuji Hakone Izu National Park. So a lot of nature, hot springs, just sounds like a really nice, relaxing place to visit. Yeah. So, uh, so let's go back up uh, north of Tokyo a bit. Just east of Kawagoe, which we mentioned, there's a place called Saitama. Now, this is a residential city, and a lot of the people there commute into Tokyo every day to go to work. But uh, there's some cool stuff to see there for tourists, too. You got a railway museum, if you're interested in trains. You also have the Omiya Bonsai Village, which would be a real cool place to see. I love bonsai trees. Yeah, uh, that place looks really cool. Uh, they also have a the Saitama Super Arena, which is kind of a multi-use stadium that they use for sports and concerts, that kind of thing. Um, let's see. So we talked about a lot of stuff kind of southwest of Tokyo. But if you go southeast of Tokyo, just on the other side of Tokyo Bay, what do you got over there? Chiba. Yeah. Tell us about Chiba. Chiba is, in some ways just a suburb to Tokyo, Mm -hmm. but it's been developing fast and it's got some notable things. It is one of the centers of surfing culture in Japan as it's got one of the best places for reliable waves. Cool. Um, Also some comic markets and otaku themed comic shops and anime places popping up near downtown, I believe. Cool. And if you're into Disney... Chiba is where you're going to find Tokyo Disneyland and Disney Sea. I have not personally visited these places, but Disney is actually surprisingly big in Japan. Like it's it's a big deal. You'll see people walking around in Mickey shirts all the time. So if you like Disney, go to Chiba. Yeah, the other thing of note I saw there is every August they have Oyumino Fireworks Festival, which Ooh. is a very large fireworks show. So if you happen to be there in August, uh, check out when that's going down. Fun. Okay, so in conclusion, why should you go to Kanto? What's the big deal about Kanto? Well, it's got everything. Anything that you want to see, you will find in Kanto. And Tokyo is a great base for all of these cities that we talked about. I mean, they're not that far away. Any of those could be a really fun, easy day trip out of Tokyo. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Tokyo is home base, and there's so much you can see and do in the Kanto region. Yep. Well, that's it for this episode. If you want to find us on the web, you can check out our website at sightseeingjapanpodcast.com. You can also find links to our social media there. And what's going on next week? On the next episode, we're going to be talking about the Kansai region, which includes Kyoto and Osaka. Another very cool region of Japan. Should be interesting. Yeah. Uh, And 
at the very end here, just want to leave you with a little soundscape. This is a recording I made in Shibuya early in the morning before the city woke up. So you're going to hear a lot of birds. I mean, even in the middle of a big city like Tokyo, there are a lot of beautiful green places and a lot of, a lot of life around. Yeah. So check that out. We'll see you next time.